Euzu billahi mineşşeytanirracim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi rabbil alamin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammedin ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmaîn. Allahumme allimna ma yanfa'una ve anfa'na bima 'allamtana ve zidna ilmen nafi'a. Allahumme erinel hakka hakkan ve erzukna ittiba'a. Ve erinel batıla batılan varzukna ictinabe. Rabbi şrahli sadri ve yassirli emri. Vahlul uqdeten min lisani. Yafkahu kavli. Esselamu aleykum ve rahmetullahi ve berekatuh. Welcome to the Reflections on the Risale-i Nur by Bedüzzaman Said Nursi podcast series. This is Mustafa Tuna. You can listen to the episodes of this series wherever you listen to your podcasts or at the website www.reflections-rn.org. As a reminder, inshallah, we have the rough translations of what we are going to be reading today at, the, at this website, www.reflections-rn.org. Just go to the uh, relevant section of, of the website, which would be podcasts, and then under podcasts, words, and then 11th word. Inshallah, today we will start reading the 11th word. This is one of those paradigm shifters. It begins with a representational story very similar to the first eight words. The style will probably remind you of the first eight words. And in a sense, it combines much of what was said there, but it is so beautifully compacting, so much uh, insight into one treatise that, at least for me, it is a paradigm shifter. It helps us understand the world the way it is. So, let's begin. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of God, the merciful, the mercy giver. وَالشَّمْسِ وَضُحَاهَا وَالْقَمَرِ إِذَا تَلَاهَا وَالنَّهَارِ إِذَا جَلَّاهَا وَالْلَيْلِ إِذَا يَغْشَاهَا وَالسَّمَاءِ وَمَا بَنَاهَا وَالْأَرْضِ وَمَا طَحَاهَا وَنَفْسٍ وَمَا سَوَّاهَا إِلَى آخِرَ This is from the 91st chapter of the Qur'an, the first through seven verses, but the last word is إِلَى آخِرَ i.e. Yusnat Nursi means the rest of the chapter 2. A translation might be by the sun in its morning brightness and by the moon as it follows it, by the day as it displays the sun's glory, and by the night as it conceals it, by the sky and how he built it, he here referring to God, and by the earth and how he spread it, by the soul and how he formed it. In a few words, it brings everything together from the heavens to earth and then to Anfus, the inner inner reality of the human being. And Ustad Nursi says, Ey kardeş, eğer hikmet-i alemin tılsımını ve hılkat-i insanın muammasını ve hakikati salatın rümuzunu bir parça fehmetmek istersen, nefsimle beraber şu temsili hikayeciye bak. O oh, brother or sister, if you want to understand 
the secret code of the wisdom in the realm, the enigma of the human being's creation, and the subtle symbolism of the reality of prayer to some extent, consider this small representational story together with my lower soul. So there are three things that we want to understand by reading and, and reflecting upon this treatise. The secret code of the wisdom in the realm. The enigma of the human being's creation. And the subtle symbolism of the reality of prayer. Let's try to understand what these each mean before we move on to the representational story. The secret code of the wisdom in the realm. The word wisdom can mean many things uh, when, it is when it is used in translation from Arabic or in this case from Turkish. Sometimes it is used to refer to philosophy, especially Greek philosophy, because hikmah was a word that the, the Arabs used in order to refer to Hellenistic or Greek philosophy. Uh, but here in this particular context, what it means is that everything in the creation serves a purpose. Everything is related to one another. There is nothing that is futile because God does not create anything futile. And therefore, when we look around the cosmos, the world, the, uh, the, the universe or ourselves, all these created realities, we need to think that these must all be serving something. Now, there are particular, uh, you know, smaller scale wisdom, smaller scale purposes, such as that, let's say, uh, the, the earth is tilted by some degrees in a certain direction, and that helps the uh, formation of seasons on earth. They adjust the temperature in such a way that it becomes suitable for human uh, or animal or plant uh, life. So the tilt of the, of the earth on its orbit around the sun has the wisdom of, has the purpose of uh, helping the existence of life on earth. Right? So this is one wisdom. Or let's say water when it, expand, uh, when it freezes expands and because it expands it floats on water which is different from as far as I know all other uh, elements, all other uh, things out there. And that serves a purpose because if water were to become denser instead of expanding if it shrank and became denser when it froze it would sink to the bottom of the lakes and the seas and that would kill all life in the water so in the way that it is created it serves a purpose that the exp expansion of water when it freezes serves for the preservation of life in water and so on and so forth these are particular wisdoms and and everything is full of wisdom everything everywhere is full of wisdom god is the all wise and he knows the wisdom of everything and he creates with wisdom right but then the realm itself the entirety of the created realm itself also has a wisdom and that wisdom that is manifest on the entire of the creation also reflects upon or is manifest on each thing individually as well so there is a wisdom in the creation. And then Ustad Nursing here says, if you want to understand the secret code of the wisdom, because that wisdom is not immediately accessible to us unless we reflect upon it. We do not know it non 
inferentially. Let's say I uh, look out the window and I see the sun and I say it is day, right? So it is, it, I do not need a second step of thinking. Uh, I don't, I do not need inference in order to know that when I look out the window and I see the sun, it is day. I can reason in this way, but I do not need uh, the, the, the inference in order to know. The code, uh, when it applies to the wisdom, the ultimate wisdom of the realm is something that when we apply it to all this knowledge that we are acquiring from observing our environment, to all this information that we are acquiring by observing our environment, when we apply that code, that, that raw data becomes meaningful information in the way that let's say something is written in a code and you receive it and you look and it doesn't mean anything. For instance, the computers use the digital system. It is ones and zeros, ones and zeros, millions of ones and zeros. And the sound that you are hearing right now, for instance, ultimately is millions, perhaps billions, I do not know, of ones and zeros. But the computer or whatever gadget that you are using knows, has the code to apply to those ones and zeros and interpret them as meaningful sounds and produce sounds. So the code is something that when you apply to some other raw data, renders it meaningful. If you want to understand the secret code of the wisdom in the realm, if you want a code, if you want to understand the wisdom in the realm and have the code that, that, that exposes it, right? Second, the enigma of the human being's creation. There's a mystery, the enigma, mystery in the creation of the human uh, being and human being is different from all other things in the creation and we talked about this many times over uh, before uh, we are the weakest we are the most impotent most needy but at the same time we are through our neediness and impotence and so on and so forth we are the special addressee of the creator of the universe creator of the realm which then tasks us with a certain function in the creation. So what is that? What is that function? What are we expected to do here and how do we do it? And third, the subtle symbolism of the reality of prayer. And this, of course, relate to what we have to do here, the function that we are fulfilling here. Prayer is the, the most essential form of worship that God taught us to, to practice in order to worship him. And in it is hidden, uh, in, in a sense, combined and compacted all forms of worship that we can imagine that exist in the creation, human worship and non-human worship. Therefore, here it is, uh, in one sense, directly a reference to prayer, but in another, another sense, it is a reference to worship in general. So let's read this again and then move on. Oh, brother, if you want to understand the secret code of the wisdom in the realm, the enigma of the human being's creation, and the subtle symbolism of the reality of prayer, to some extent, not fully, but to some extent, consider this small representational story together with my lower soul. And as we mentioned many times before, it is important that Ustad Nursi is addressing this first and foremost to his lower soul, his nafs. 
and we should also do that we should listen to it read or listen to it by addressing our own lower souls not as if we are reading a story to enjoy it, this is not for enjoyment you can enjoy it uh, they, you know what, what whatever brings you closer to God makes a pleasant imprint on your soul on your spirit on your heart on your intellect uh, so on and so forth so we, we may enjoy it but we do not read it for enjoyment we do not read as it as somewhere Stadnursi says as if we are reading a newspaper we read it for transformation spiritual transformation to convince our lower soul that the realities that are mentioned here are realities with a capital r and we are required to act accordingly it is to our best interest it is to our benefit to act accordingly and we are to discover many treasures gems in it if we pay attention be careful and and take a position before god a worshipful position before god as we are reading and and or listening inshallah bir zaman bir sultan varmış servetçi onun pek çok hazineleri vardı hem o hazinelerde her çeşit cevahir elmas ve zümrüt bulunuyormuş hem gizli pek acayip defineleri varmış hem kemalatça sanayi garibede pek çok mahareti varmış hem hesapsız fünun-u acibeye marifeti ihatası varmış hem nihayetsiz ulumu bedi'aya ilim ve ıttılağı varmış this is a paragraph it's actually many small sentences but i thought it will be easier to uh, to understand if you read it all together once there was a sultan remember this is a representational story we are not necessarily talking about god when we say sultan yet but you can have it in your mind because our minds are trained enough by reading many uh, treatises of the Risale Inur by now that these representational stories are representing something they are building up to a a reality they are setting up certain cognitive patterns in our in our minds that we can use to understand the reality itself when we turn to the reality and that is like the code that we were talking about once there was a sultan from the point of view of wealth he had many treasures and all sorts of jewels diamonds and emeralds in them furthermore he had hidden amazing treasures buried out of sight so some of his treasures are here out for demonstration and display and and accessible but he actually has more hidden out of sight so he has two types of treasures one which is here uh, on display and second probably bigger we don't know we don't see it but we know that they are hidden out of sight buried somewhere they are amazing amazing treasures then in terms of perfection he had many skills and marvelous crafts and encompassing knowledge of uncountable amazing sciences so he was not only wealthy but he was also skillful he could make things and he also had the knowledge of things he was knowledgeable he was skillful he could make things he knew how to make things he knew how things functioned moreover he had the knowledge and erudite understanding of boundless fields of aesthetic aesthetic knowledge so not only did he make things not only did he know how to make things and how things worked and how they functioned and so on and so forth he also made them beautiful 
he had the knowledge of how to beautify things. So a marvelous sultan, wealthy, skillful, knowledgeable, and has a good sense of aesthetics. İşte her cemal ve kemal sahibi kendi cemal ve kemalini görmek ve göstermek istemesi sırrınca o sultanı zişan dahi istedi ki bir meşher açılsın, içinde sergiler dizsin, tanasının enzarında saltanatının haşmetini, hem servetinin şaşasını, hem kendi sanatının harikalarını, hem kendi marifetinin garibe, garibelerini izhar edip göstersin. Ta cemal ve kemal manevisini iki vecih ile müşahede etsin. Bir vecihi bizzat nazarı dekayk aşinasıyla görsün, diğeri gayrın nazarıyla baksın. According to the secret that every possessor of beauty and perfection would like to see and show his beauty and perfection. So we went over this uh, before to according to the secret that according to the the principle the norm the the mysterious norm that, that we observe in the reality that we live in that every possessor of beauty and perfection would like to see and show his beauty and perfection is that the case do every possessor of beauty and perfection like to see and show his beauty and perfection of course we are talking about conscious beings the the act of wanting wishing would like to is an attribute of conscious beings well we know this from ourselves we are human beings and the the qualities the properties the faculties that we have are all put in our program and they have a purpose too we know from ourselves that when we do something beautiful when we um, make something beautiful or perfect we want to share it we look at small children two years old three years old four years old with their uncorrupted human nature that is where we can find uncorrupted human nature they make something beautiful and they start running around trying to show it to all the adults and others around them to be appreciated. Of course, this is a representational story and we are not likening God to a three or three year old child. When, when we use metaphors and examples like this, the rule, the rule or etiquette of listening to it or reading it and understanding it is that we focus on the benefit that is meant in the example and we block out the details that may not serve or fit that wisdom. Every possessor of beauty and perfection would like to see and show his beauty and perfection. According to that secret, that esteemed sultan also wanted to open an exhibit, open an exhibit, and organize this place in it, so that he would expose and show the sublimity of his royal power, the splendor of his treasures, the wonders of his art, and the marvels of his capabilities so that he would observe his metaphysical beauty and perfection in two ways so we we said so that twice so that he would expose and show the sublimity of his royal power the splendor of his treasures the wonders of his art and the marvels of his capabilities he he he would like to put them out right so that he would observe his metaphysical beauty and perfection in two ways one is that he would see it himself with his discerning sight and the other is that he would behold it through the sights of others 
So we are talking about two kinds of seeing. The first is that the Sultan sees it himself, and that is important enough. If there was nothing else, that would be sufficient as wisdom for the creation of everything that the Sultan makes and puts out there. But the second is that the others also see it, and he sees it through the eyes or through the sight of others. The way, let's say, when a painter makes pictures, he does not just hide them in, in some cellar or attic. She does not tear them apart after making them. No, the painters open exhibits in galleries and they put their pictures out there for exhibition or sometimes they are so beautiful that we pick them out and put in museums. That's the ultimate objective that the painter has in mind. And again, from that we know that this is this is something that we can expect from the creator who created man in the way that he created. So he would observe his metaphysical beauty and perfection in two ways. And here the, the metaphysical, the word metaphysical is also important. We are not referring to material beauty, but the metaphysical reality that emerges from that material beauty. Because the material beauty itself is subject to um, decomposition and annihilation. Whereas the, the, the metaphysical reality that emerges from that beauty, the concept of beauty, if you will, although this is a very crude word that does not that does not fully cover what we are talking about here because concept exists in human mind we are not talking about something that exists in human mind only so when we use the word metaphysical we are not referring to something that exists in human mind only but something that has a reality to it it is a metaphysical reality beyond physics beyond beyond physicality right so that he would observe his metaphysical beauty God's beauty is not material. God is not material. Matter is created. God's beauty is not of the type that we can observe in the in the in the, in His uh, creation. What we observe in the creation is a reflection of, is a mirror to His beauty, but it is not a measure of uh, His beauty. It does not tell us the quiddity of His beauty. It tells us that He is beauty, beautiful, but does not enable us to understand the quiddity, the, the, the, the, the, the ultimate reality, the essence of his beauty. So, so that he would observe his metaphysical beauty and perfection in two ways. One is that he would see it himself with his discerning sight. And the other is that he would behold it through the sights of others. And of course, we are still talking about the Sultan. Sometimes I'm going, going ahead of uh, myself and talking about the reality of this, but I, I guess it is important to understand that as we go. Bu hikmete binaen, cesim ve geniş ve muhteşem bir kasrı yapmaya başladı. In accordance with this wisdom, the wisdom being that all uh, possessors of beauty and perfection would like to show their beauty and perfections and so that this this and according to the secret this sultan uh, started to do things so that he would see his beauty and perfection himself and through the sight of others in accordance with this wisdom he the sultan started to build a massive large and magnificent palace 
şahane bir surette dairelere, menzillere taksim ederek hazinelerinin türlü türlü ile süslendirip, kendi desti sanatının en latif, en güzel eserleriyle zinetlendirip, fünun-u hikmetinin en incelikleriyle tanzim edip, düzelterek ve ulumunun asar-ı mucizekâraneleriyle donatarak tekmin ettikten sonra, her bir taam ve nimetlerinin bütün çeşitlerinden en lezizlerini cami sofralar o sarayda kurdu. After he divided into quarters or apartments and rooms, the palace of course, and decorated with the various embellishments of his treasures, remember he had treasures filled with gems and, and, and emeralds and diamonds, he used them. He decorated the palace with the various embellishments of his treasures ornamented it with the fine and most beautiful products of his crafts. Remember, he was skillful. He could do everything himself. He decorated, ornamented the palace with the fine and most beautiful products of his crafts, organized it according to the most subtle details of the sciences of his wisdom. Remember, he was knowledgeable. He made the palace in such a way that everything serves a function. Nothing is just for decoration. There is a lot of decoration. It's beautiful, ornamented, but it is also functional. And equipped it with the miraculous products of the various branches of his knowledge. Wherever you turn, if you know the code, you can obtain some knowledge. In that palace, he opened tables containing the most delicious ones of all of his various foods and blessings. Remember, he was rich, he was wealthy. It is not only gems and emeralds and diamonds. He also has many other types of blessings that he can serve to, to his audience. Öyle sehabetkârâne ve sanatpervarâne bir ziyafet-i âmme ehzâr etti ki, güya her bir sofra yüz sanâ'î latifenin eserleriyle vücut bulmuş gibi kıymetli, hadsiz nimetleri serdi. Sonra aktar memleketindeki ahali ve raiyetini seyre ve tenezzühe ve ziyafete davet etti. He designated a table as befits the needs of each group. He prepared such a generous and artful feast open to all. It's a generous and artful feast. There isn't only an abundance of food there, but they're also beautifully prepared and, and, and served. He prepared such a generous and artful feast as befits royalty. Open to all, but so as befits royalty, but it is open to all. That he spread out boundless precious blessings as if each table had come into existence as the product of a hundred subtle crafts. Then, I, I can't help thinking about the reality of this. Think of a date palm, a date tree. How beautiful is the tree? How beautiful is the tree? And how beautiful is the blessing that is placed on it? It is, it, it is the product of hundreds of crafts. If all human beings, all scientists among human beings were to come together, they would not be able to make on their own without taking that little seed from the date. But on their own, they would not be able to make a date tree from soil from the dry soil of the desert. But it is made with such crafts, with such craftsmanship in a metaphorical sense, that it's amazing. It is amazing. 
He designated a table as befits the needs of each group. He prepared such a generous and artful feast open to all that he spread out boundless precious blessings as if each table had come into existence as the product of hundreds of crafts. Each table, the day three, is just one of them. Then he invited his people and subjects from various parts of his lands for spectacle, enjoyment, and feasting. So he invited people for spectacle, enjoyment, and feasting. Remember, he wants to show. He wants to demonstrate. Sonra, bir yaveri ekremine sarayın hikmetlerini ve müştemilatının manalarını bildirerek onu üstad ve tarif edici tayin etti. Ta ki sarayın saniyini sarayın müştemilatıyla ahaliye tarif etsin ve sarayın nakışlarının rümuzlarını bildirip içindeki sanatların işaretlerini öğretip derinundaki manzum murassalar ve mevzun nukuş nedir ve ne vecih ile saray sahibinin kemalatına ve hünerlerine delalet ettiklerini O saraya girenlere tarif etsin ve girmenin adabını ve seyrin merasimini bildirip o görünmeyen sultana karşı marziyatı dairesinde teşrifat merasimini tarif etsin. Now, he invited the guests and everything is so beautiful and so meaningful. The guests need to be guided through this because left to their own own senses and, and knowledge, they will probably not be able to appreciate everything the way they need to be or they deserve to be appreciated. They will not they will not be able to uh, break the code in a sense. So he informed one of his noble aides de camp about the wisdoms associated with the palace. So he appointed somebody so that that person is informed, first informed about all these wisdoms in the palace and the meanings of its furnishings. And he appointed him as a teaching master, stad is the word here, as a teaching master and guide so that he would describe the maker of the palace to the people using its furnishings. People came, so there's a guide that's appointed and he is going to tell them what is what, how they are enjoyed, how they are used, how they are eaten, uh, what should be eaten, what should not be eaten, and what do they all mean. So that he would describe the maker of the palace to the people using its furnishings. So how is he going to describe the, the maker? Because remember, the ultimate purpose of this display is so that the beauty and perfection of the maker be known the sultan be known but the sultan is not there he's he's elsewhere the people cannot see the the spectators the audience cannot see the sultan's person how is the teaching master the describer the guide going to make him known he is going to turn to the furnishings and say look look at this our sultan is the one who created this in the way it is. And from this, we understand that about the creator of this artifact, about the sultan himself. So that he would describe the maker of the palace to the people using its furnishings. Make known the subtle symbolisms of the palace's engravings. Teach the allusions associated with the arts in it. Describe what the well-ordered embellishments and proportionate engravings are 
and from what point of view they indicate the perfections and skills of the owner of the palace to those who enter the palace. Make known, again, so that he would make known the etiquette of entrance and the procedures of spectacle, and he would describe the procedures of the protocol of being in that unseen sultan's presence as it pleases him. Now, the sultan is not seen to them, but the sultan is the, the, the sultan is watching them. The sultan is seeing things through their sight. So the sultan is closer to them than, than their eyes, or you know, the Quran says the juggler fame, but in this metaphor now we can refer to the eyes because the sultan is seeing everything through their sights. So they are in the presence of the sultan. They are in the presence of the sultan's creation. They are in the presence of the sultan's imprints and signs. They are in the presence of the sultan's aid de camp. So there has to be an etiquette to this, right? The, such a magnificent sultan, you, you cannot just you know, go and behave boorishly in his presence. There has to be an etiquette, and that etiquette has to be known. How could the spectators, how, how could the audience know? They need to be taught. This Edekam is doing that. He is teaching them the etiquette of being in the Sultan's presence and the, and the procedures of the protocol of being there. So, how do you sit? How do you stand? How do you... Uh, you know, rest when you need to rest. How do you consume these things? How do you touch? How do you not touch? How do you interact with one another? All of these, right? You are not in anywhere. You are not in the mountains. You are in the palace of the Sultan. You need to behave accordingly. İşte o muarif üstadın her bir dairede birer avenesi bulunuyor. Kendisi en büyük dairede şakirtleri içinde durmuş. Bütün seyircilere şöyle bir tebligatta bulunuyor, diyor ki. Now, the teaching master, the aide camp, has an aide helper in each quarter of the palace. Remember the uh, the, the sultan divided the palace into quarters and, and rooms in the quarters, so or apartments. In each quarter of the palace, that aide camp has a helper, an assistant. He takes residence in the largest quarter among his disciples. So the Edekam is in one place in the in the palace, in in the largest, in the most beautiful, the best quarter of the palace among his disciples, and he is making this promulgation to the spectators. He is saying, Ey ahali, şu kasrın meliki olan seyyidimiz, bu şeylerin izharıyla ve bu sarayı yapmasıyla kendini size tanıttırmak istiyor. Siz dahi onu tanıyınız ve güzelce tanımaya çalışınız. Oh people, by making this palace and exposing these things, our master who is the king of this palace wants to introduce himself to you. So you came here, you saw a palace, there are all these things in it. What's the point? The point is that our master, who is the king of this palace and everything, wants to, because the lands belong to him, right? Wants to introduce himself to you. Okay, so what do we do then? You too recognize him and try to get to know him. Well, make an effort. 
don't just look and move on make an effort study it reflect upon it reflect upon what you see in this palace because they all have purposes and the ultimate purpose is that the sultan wants to introduce himself to you through these artifacts that are here study them with that intention and intensively study them to know the maker you too recognize him and try to get to know him well hem şu tezinatla kendini size sevdirmek istiyor siz dahi onun sanatını takdir ve işlerini istihsan ile kendinizi ona sevdiriniz he wants to endear himself make himself loved endear himself to you with these ornaments you too endear yourselves to him by appreciating his art and admiring his works you are here you are needed you came here from a long way you need to rest you get hungry you need nutrition you get thirsty you want to drink something now you are guests it's upon if you will uh, the sultan to take care of your needs and after all the sultan says that he took it upon himself to take care of your needs but the fulfillment of your needs does not mean that you are going to have a feast you can have the, the bare minimum i have said this many times before all food could be tasteless as paper and the texture could also be like paper we, could, we would have to chew and chew and chew and swallow and could be tortured to to ingest them all but at the same time we would need the nutrition and we would continue to eat them but that's not the case food is made delicious so the plants if we focus on the function only the plants need to reproduce and the flowers of the plant serve that function of reproduction of the plant yes okay but it doesn't have to be so beautiful for that purpose it is made so beautiful it is made so beautiful it could, it could just have let's say a certain smell that would be attractive to insects if we are going to say that the, the insects are pollinated it, it, it could have a smell that was attractive to insects and that would be all but no there is such a variety and variety of beauty in colors in shapes in smell in in texture why is that why is that why is all of this so pleasing to our inner being what is meant here the creator did not have to do this but the creator did it so what's the purpose what's the point the point is that he is talking to us these are all signs these all have messages he is telling us that he's telling us that he wants us to love him he wants us to love him when we when we you know give gifts to people of course this is not in a in a mean sense this is not in a material expectation sense this is in a genuine sense when we give a gift to somebody that we genuinely love in that gift we are asking for his love or her love we are showing our love and we are asking for his or her love so with these ornaments he wants to endear himself to you so what do we do then you too endear yourselves to him by appreciating his art and admiring his works somebody shows you their art it is beautiful but you don't know how to appreciate it you just say okay art you just say okay picture you you do not take 
an attitude that indicates the, the beauty and perfection of that artwork, what will they think? Will they show you the next work? Will they take you as, as, as a valuable spectator? Will they come to you again? No. You too endear yourselves to him by appreciating his art and admiring his works because they are admirable. Hem bu gördüğünüz ihsanat ile size muhabbetini gösteriyor. Siz dahi itaat ile ona muhabbet ediniz. He is showing his love for you with these bestowals that you see. You too love him in a state of obedience. He is showing his love for you with these bestowals that you see. So this continues uh, from the, the, the theme that we are we have been talking. So what do we do then? You too love him in a state of obedience. Our obedience, the foundation of our obedience to the Sultan should not be fear. The fear is there. Sometimes we lose it and therefore we need to be stopped. But that should not be the foundation of our obedience. The true foundation for our, our obedience is our love. Our love for him. Because when somebody loves someone that they, they want to please their beloved, fulfilling their beloved's commands, desires, wishes is beloved to them. So you too show your love to him in a state of obedience. Hem şu görünen inam ve ikramlarla size şefkatini ve merhametini gösteriyor. Siz dahi şükür ile ona hürmet ediniz. He is showing his compassion and mercy to you with these visible blessings and favors. So it is not only that he is you know, putting out beauty there, but he is also fulfilling our needs. Right? So the, that it is beautiful is about endearment, that it is fulfilling our needs. He is showing his compassion and mercy to you. What would happen to these guests if it were not for the Sultan who knew their needs and took care of their needs after they came from such a long journey? You too show respect to him with gratitude. So what is the counterpart for compassion and mercy? Respect and gratitude. Hem şu kemalatının asarıyla manevi cemalini size göstermek istiyor. Siz dahi onun gör, onu görmeye ve teveccühünü kazanmaya ihtiyacınızı gösteriniz. He wants to show his metaphysical beauty to you with these products of his perfections. He wants to show his metaphysical beauty to you with these products of his perfections. You too show your yearning to see him and earn his regard. All these beauty, beauty in perfection, right? It is nothing. It is nothing because it is temporary. It, it is uh, material. It is uh, doomed to disintegration and annihilation. But it is there for a purpose. And because of that purpose, it is elevated from being nothing to being the signs of the perfect one. So love it. Love what you see here. Appreciate what you see here. But in it, Love the Maker. Yearn to meet Him. All of this should increase your appetite, you increase your desire to see the Maker Himself because He is the source of beauty. He is the source of perfection. And what you love in what you see is not itself that material thing, but the beauty 
the metaphysical beauty the source of which is is the maker hem bütün şu gördüğümüz masnuat ve müzeyyenat üstünde birer mahsus sikke birer hususi hatem birer taklit edilmez turra koymakla her şeyi kendisine has olduğunu ve kendi eseri desti olduğunu ve kendisi tek ve yekta istiklal ve infirad sahibi olduğunu size göstermek istiyor. Siz dahi onu tek ve yekta ve misilsiz, nazirsiz bir hemta tanıyınız ve kabul ediniz. By putting a peculiar stamp, a special seal and an inimitable monogram on all of these artifacts and ornaments that you see, he wants to show that everything belongs exclusively to him, that everything is the product of his own hand, and that he is one and single, and that he possesses independence and individuality. He made them all himself. He did not need various masters of craft, like a coordinator, like let's say an architect. An architect draws the things, has the idea, draws the things, but then he needs engineers and workers to build the building. Uh, it is not like a fashion designer who has the idea and draws things, but then he or she needs tailors to make those things. He, he or she needs workers to, to weave the fabric and so on and so forth. That's not like that. He made everything himself. And he wants that to be known. The perfection, the art, the beauty, the skill, the knowledge, design, creativity, it all belongs to him, the maker. And he wants that to be known. And therefore, he put a special seal, a stamp, a monogram on everything, on every single thing. Wherever you turn, you see his signs. Wherever you turn, you see his signs. And therefore, it makes sense that you learn how to read those signs, how to read his stamp seal, so that wherever you turn, you understand that this belongs to nobody, nobody but him. So what do you do in turn? Then you too recognize and accept him to be one, single and unique without likeness and peerless. By putting a peculiar stamp, a special seal, and an inimitable monogram on all of these artifacts and ornaments that you see. He wants to show that everything belongs exclusively to him, that everything is a product of his own hand, that he is one and single, and that he possesses independence and individuality. He is not dependent on anything, anybody to make all of this. He is independently doing it, and he has individuality. He has no peer, no likeness, no nothing. He is just one. Just one. Daha bunun gibi ona ve o makama münasip sözleri seyircilere söyledi. Sonra giren ahali iki güruha ayrıldılar. He said many other things like this that become him and his stations to the spectators. Here we are talking about the aide de camp. He said many other things like this that become him and his stations to the spectators. And then the people who entered the palace separated into two groups because now they are given the message. They will either heed the message or not heed the message. So they separate into two groups. Birinci güruhu kendini tanımış ve aklı başında ve kalbi yerinde oldukları için o sarayın içindeki acayiplere baktıkları zaman dediler. Bunda büyük bir iş var. Hem anladılar ki beyhude değil, adi bir oyuncak değil. Onun için merak ettiler. Acaba tılsımı nedir? İçinde ne var? 
deyip düşünürken birden o muarrif üstadın beyan ettiği nutkunu işittiler, anladılar ki bütün esrarın anahtarları ondadır, ona müteveccihen gittiler ve dediler. The first group, because these had recognized their selves, they were in possession of their intellects and their hearts were in the right place. These are important qualities. They knew who they were. They knew their position before the, the, the sultan. They did not pretend to be the, the, the owner of all these things. Let's say they were allowed to sit on a, on a chair at the table. They did not think, this is my chair, the food in front of them. They did not say, this is my food. I have nothing here. I'm just a guest who is traveling without anything. All of this is being bestowed upon me. So this, it starts with this. It starts with understanding. With understanding that you are nothing by yourself. They knew their selves. They knew what they were capable of and not capable of. They knew their selves. And they were in possession of their intellects. The intellect is given to them so that they would appreciate, so that they would measure things, so that they would associate things. If they lose the intellect, they will not be make those associations. And their hearts were where they belong to. Their hearts were in the right place. The heart attaches value. They knew where to attach value. Because of all of this, as they beheld the amazing things in the palace, they said, there is a great matter in this. They also understood that it is not futile. It is not an ordinary plaything. They became curious as a result. As they were saying, wonder what code opens this up what is in it and contemplating over that suddenly they heard a speech that that teaching master was giving they understood that the keys to all secrets were with him they went toward him and said so they are first curious they first have the intention to understand what is going on. They develop the curiosity. They want to know, but they cannot break the code on their own. They recognize that there is a code. And because they are sincere in what they are doing, because their heart is in the right place, they notice that the aide-de-camp, that honored teaching master, is giving a talk. And in that talk, he is giving them all they need, all the information they need. They understood that the keys to all secrets are with him and they went toward him and said Assalamu alayka ya eyyuhal ustad Hakkan şöyle bir muhteşem sarayın senin gibi sadık ve müdakkik bir muarrifi lazımdır Seyyidimiz sana ne bildirmişse lütfen bize bildiriniz They said Greetings of peace be upon you O the teaching master By rights such a magnificent palace requires a truthful and discerning teaching guide like you. Please let us know what our master has informed you of. Üstad ise evvel zikri geçen nutukları onlara dedi. Bunlar güzelce dinlediler. İyice kabul edip tam istifade ettiler. Padişahın marziyatı dairesinde amel ettiler. So the teaching master conveyed them the speeches that were mentioned before. They listened beautifully. This is important. They listened beautifully with attention. With attention. They, they were not busy with other things as they were listening. They were respectful. They, they knew what they were listening to. They knew that this was important. They knew that this was perhaps the most important thing that they were ever to hear. 
they accepted well, they accepted what they heard well. They tried to put it in their hearts. It did not, you know, it did not stay in their ears. It passed through their ears, through their intellect, through their mind, and went all the way down to the heart and settled there. And they, as a result, received complete benefit. They acted within the circle of what pleases the king. So the benefit is, first, they understand it, and second, they know what the king wants, they know the etiquette, and they act within the circle of, within the, within the limits of what pleases the king. So what is to come as a result of this? Onların şu edepli muamele ve vaziyetleri, o padişahın hoşuna geldiğinden, onları has ve yüksek ve tavsif edilmez diğer bir saraya davet etti. İhsan etti. Hem öyle bir cevvad-ı melike layık ve öyle muti-i ahaliye şayeste ve öyle edepli misafirlere münasip ve öyle yüksek bir kasra şayan bir surette ikram etti. Daimi onları saadetlendirdi. So what was the benefit? What was the benefit of listening to that aide de camp beautifully and, and understanding what he says and accepting it and acting accordingly? Because the king liked their well-mannered behaviors and states, he invited them to a special, lofty, and indescribable palace and showed them his bestowals there. Remember, the king had treasures, visible treasures filled with gems, emeralds, diamonds, etc., etc., and then he had amazing treasures hidden out of sight somewhere. We, we could not even describe it. So he invited them to a special, lofty and indescribable another palace. But this one is loftier, special. It's special to those who, who listened, heeded. And he invited them there and he showed them his bestowals. He, he, he had more, much more in store for them. He showered them with his favors in a, in a way that becomes such a generous monarch that that is worthy of such obedient people, that is suitable for such well-mannered guests, and that befits such a lofty palace. He made them continually felicitous. The, the blessing, the pleasure that is in the palace that these guests were invited to, they are there as guests, and they are happy, they know how to enjoy it, they, they, they enjoy it, they are, they are in a beautiful environment, but it is not continual. But these special guests who knew how to read what they were being exposed to and how to act accordingly, they are now invited to a special palace where they are to stay continually. What about the others? İkinci guru ise akılları bozulmuş, kalpleri sönmüş olduklarından saraya girdikleri vakit nefislerine mağlup olup Lezzetli tamlardan başka hiçbir şeye iltifat etmediler. Bütün o mehasinden gözlerini kapadılar ve o üstadın irşadatından ve şakirtlerinin ikazatından kulaklarını tıkadılar. Hayvan gibi yiyerek uykuya daldılar. İçilmeyen fakat bazı şeyler için ihzar edilen iksirlerden içtiler. Sarhoş olup öyle bağırdılar, karıştırdılar. Seyirci misafirleri çok rahatsız ettiler. Saniye zişanın düsturlarına karşı edepsizlikte bulundular. Saray sahibinin askerleri de onları tutup öyle edepsizlere layık bir hapse attılar. As for the second group, because their intellects had corrupted and hearts had extinguished, 
they corrupted their intellects. They don't know, they did not know how to measure things anymore, how to associate things anymore. Their intellects were blocked with various things. Maybe their pride, maybe their attachment to the material and fleeting beauty of the things in the palace, some other concern that they carried out, some baggage from their pasts, because their intellects had, had corrupted and their hearts had extinguished upon entering the palace they were overcome by their lower souls. Their intellects were weakened so much so that they were not able to, those intellects were not able to control their lower souls and those souls always, always command evil and did not pay attention. They did not pay attention to anything other than the delicious foods. They closed their eyes to all beautiful things and plugged their ears to the rightful guidance of the teaching master. That's the worst of all. They close their eyes to all beautiful things. Now, maybe the food that they're eating is beautiful too, but remember there's a metaphysical beauty and that is the real beauty. They close their eyes to all beautiful things. The real, they, they were not able to see the real beauty of things and plugged their ears to the rightful guidance of the teaching master and the warnings of his disciples. They ate like animals and went to sleep. They drank from some undrinkable potions that were prepared for some specific purposes. They were there. They were in the palace. They served a special function, some specific function. They were prepared for that, but they were not drinkable. And they were told not to drink it, but they drank it. And as a result, because of their own wrongdoing, they became drunk. Becoming drunk, they screamed and acted up and disturbed the guest spectators exceedingly. They disturbed other guests. They showed ill-mannered disrespect to the rules of the esteemed artful maker, and thus the soldiers of the owner of the palace arrested them and threw them in a jail that becomes such ill-mannered people. The soldiers of the owner of the palace arrested them and, and, and threw them in a jail that becomes such ill-mannered people. So the story continues and then there's a transition to the reality of this story, but inshallah we will leave that to the next episode in which we cover the 11th word. Subhanaka la ilma lana illa ma'allamtana innaka antal alimul hakim wa akhir da'wahu manil hamdulillahi rabbil alameen al-fatiha.